Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody, and as the nice lady always says, this is Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, it's your week 17 and final of the season, Cleveland Browns postgame edition, um, the highs and lows of the season. Um, we started week one, which seems like it was yesterday, but as far away as it was, with the you know tie against Pittsburgh Steelers at home, the Tyrod Taylor era, which went on for two and a half weeks. Then we were introduced to number six on Thursday night against the New York Jets, and everything just kind of basically took off from there. Um, through here, uh, I mean through the ride for every postgame show and almost every pregame show, Pete Smith from uh, NFL Spin Zone. Uh, fantastic job over there with all the work he puts in. Pete, uh, it, it's crazy and it's insane, but, I mean, this is a cap, and it seems like it's gone quick. But so much has changed for this franchise, so much to look forward to, and that's going from, I guess, the you know the Sunday after Labor Day to where we are now. A, a crazy, crazy ride, but so much to be excited about, and obviously some more to come. But a lot and a ton to be excited about for the future of this franchise and all the crap that they are leaving in the rear view. Right. The foundation's in place. They have, you know, they have their quarterback. They have a number of, you know, key pieces, Miles Garrett, uh, some of these other guys. And and now, uh, along with some of the playmakers they have that are so young, it's just about developing that consistency and and going from making, you know, those rookie mistakes and, and those young team mistakes to ironing those things out and becoming a consistent team, which is what's going to power them to be contender and why they, you know, ultimately fall short in a game like this where Mayfield and some of these other guys make fantastic plays, but they also left some on the field. And and as much – and knowing how Mayfield and, and Garrett and some of these guys are programmed, I think, you know, they're not going to be focused on the records so much, particularly Mayfield's case, knocking out the – uh, rookie touchdown record, but he's going to be focused on that throw. He didn't make the Jarvis Landry by the sideline. He's going to, that's the stuff that's going to sort of drive him and frustrate him all off season because that's just how he sort of programmed. And then he added into that, all the people are going to say how he missed all these throws and it only, that's sort of how he fuels himself. So it's going to be fun to sort of watch where they go from here. But uh, yeah, this, the, compared to the last two seasons, this season flew by. It absolutely flew by. Last couple seasons, it was like, man, I just want to get out of this. Please, nobody else get hurt. Let's, you know, hopefully make a couple nice plays, but let's get out of here healthy this year. Um, you know, even when it felt like this this game was over and, and they came back and made it interesting, it was, you know, it was fun until the end, which is, you know, that was a big goal for this season. Be fun. Um, now, Pete, one of the things now, guys, me and Pete, we, will, we always message, you know, before the game, during the game. And one of the things, you know, I sent Pete today, I'm like, gun to your head, who do you think wins? And he said, Browns. I said, I do too. And Pete's like, I don't have a lot of faith in the Ravens offense. And for me, it was, you know, I don't care if they control it. Because now that Baker is throwing the ball vertically with consistently consistency and, you know, it, with confidence in the guys he's throwing to, it doesn't matter if they're not going to have the ball as much. And you go to this. A 48-yard reception for Jarvis Landry. A 40-yard reception for Rashard Higgins. Antonio Callaway for 39 yards. David Najoku for 42 yards. Rashard Perriman for 28 yards. And once they were able to open this up, and look, it wasn't Nick Chubb's day. 
and the way he lost his thousand yard season is almost criminal. You feel bad um, if you really, really know Nick Chubb. This is just going to make him go like 180% in his offseason workouts. But Pete, once you can get to this point, and this is this had been the thing for whatever quarterback it was in the laundry list of names, it was you had to be perfect for 13 to 14 to 15 plays to score points. This isn't the case anymore. No, and, and that's the biggest thing you've gotten out of Baker Mayfield is room for error, and that's been the case since basically he, he arrived on the field against the Jets. You know, they... They can absorb a mistake, and in this case, with road games, it's been early mistakes uh, that that could drag out into the entire half before they could he could sort of get himself right and and, and make the proper adjustments. So, thankfully, in this one, he was much quicker to sort of get himself in the right mindset and get back to making plays. But you know, next season, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, and 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 instead of making a big mistake early and throwing a bad interception he knows he shouldn't throw it's he now it's a seven point lead and the pressure's on the ravens to sort of come back and and given what they do that's not as easy as it sounds um that can be what makes the browns you know uh a threat to to what will be the expectation expectations make the playoffs and instead of winning in close and and coming down to the wire as as can happen and you know part of the NFL experience is they can start putting away teams. They can start burying teams in the first half and, and sort of being able to, to, to find ways to sort of just get, get it, get out, get, get onto the next week uh, type things. And, and when that starts happening, then, then you've got what the makings of a contender, which is certainly where the Browns want to be. Um, 100%. And, you know, uh, you know, obviously the line, look, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, uh, you know, was sacked once today, but that was erased by penalty. Again, the offensive line, maybe it is not the prettiest thing at times, but they are doing their job, and Baker Mayfield is not taking hits that he needs to take. We're going to continue here on the offensive side of the ball here. Um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Browns come up on the wrong end of a 26-24 loss here. 7-8, and 8-7. Eight, eight and seven. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, it is a one-game swing. I don't think it changes anything that's been done to this point. It would have been fantastic for these guys to close out 8-7-1. Fantastic to close out on a four-game winning streak. Fantastic to close out at 4-1-1 the division. Um, but there were some factors, and obviously we're going to get to those as we go on through here. Um, Pete, one guy here, and when it all started, you know, last April when he was drafted, it was, oh, wow, we knew it was coming. Here it is. Antonio Callaway, there's been up, there's been ups, there's been downs. I give you a lot of credit because you always compare him, you know, to the running back that he was, and you're going to have some growth that's going to continue to have to happen with him, you know, because it's kind of hard to break who you actually once were. But I mean, uh, there were whether it was the punt return or there were three receptions where you know he got check marks for me. But he finds himself to get open on the sideline, and he's got almost the you know, the tap dancer tiptoe. And it's been impressive because there's times where he's been non-existent, and there's been weeks where he was just you know a consistent part of this team. And you know, look, as long as he can stay on the straight and narrow, which will always be a question you have with him, it seems like you have something. Antonio Callaway gave you no shortage of reasons to be excited about him, and the offseason gives you no shortage of reasons to be terrified uh, that something could go wrong. Uh, it's just. That's been his track record, and and if he can uh, avoid that, if he can avoid that that pitfall that that sort of ruins what what could be a really nice career early on here, 
then the Browns are going to come back with a huge weapon for them that, that could develop into far more than maybe they thought uh, they were getting when they initially drafted him. When they initially drafted him, it looked it seemed like he was going to be, uh, you know, go routes, screens, and punt returns, and 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 maybe that's what it should have started as. But now he, because he's a former running back, he plays with strength and power. He embraces it, and it, and it bit him against the Houston Texans when he got stripped. But I like his mentality. And now you're seeing him over the middle of the field running those slants, like on the on the record-breaking touchdown, fighting inside. He's got the strength. He's not a small guy. He's 200-plus pounds, and he's pretty fearless. And, and that's something they can really work with. And, and there's, you know, he's certainly not nowhere near as accomplished, but there's some – uh, some some whiffs of, of Ju- Juju Smith-Schuster with the Steelers and what he sort of brings and what that can sort of do for this offense and some of the other guys that that can now benefit from him attacking in the middle of the field or going deep. And they have so many ways to do it. And, and you're seeing that in the marriage between Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens, who I thought had a great day. Uh, and I know some people are criticizing him, but the amount of wide open passes that were schemed out of this against the best team, best defense in the league, and they weren't like, you know, just open. They were nobody's in the county op- uh, open, <laughs> uh, easy plays that that shouldn't happen at any level, and are happening against the best defense in the league. So, what these guys and these skill sets, and what I've always wanted to focus on with Mayfield is these yards after catch guys that come in all shapes and sizes is what that can do because Mayfield can be so precise and with his timing, as you saw in that Brashard Perryman touchdown where, you know, you just, you see that type of throw and you're just like, this, this kid's unbeatable. Well, and then I also even go back to, to the Jarvis Landry where it was kind of like, he kind of had to almost like hold it up an extra second and he was able to make that play there. Um, But Perryman, he was the one Pete, we had talked about this. I wanted this touchdown for him because, you know, look, I mean, you know, everybody loves the quote-unquote revenge game. But Bashard Perriman, ah, dude, he just needed to throw it in the inner harbor or the third world like I asked you to. But, Pete, uh, you know, now Perriman here, look, I mean, you look at Njoku, who's, you know, got a bunch of freak to him at a tight end. Obviously, nothing in the first half was able to contribute big in the second half. But when you want to look at, you know, freaks at a position, Bashard Perriman kind of brings that. And it seems so weird, and I remember it started with the Kansas City game, and here me were like, hey, Bouchard Perriman, a player two, you know, kind of chuckle, chuckled. But now it's just gone on week after week, and he's got the size, he's got the arm length, he's got the build, he's got the speed, and just growing with confidence. Uh, the play late, that you know, late in the fourth quarter, where they originally ruled it incomplete, um, the only question they had was his feet. They had no question about whether or not he, you know, caught the ball and maintained the catch. This is something, you know, and Pete, we go back to this, and, you know, you with the, why would Freddie want to leave the Golden Goose? Same thing with Bouchard. You know, this is what you get when you've got that dude, and even guys who, you know, on paper look marginal, look a little prettier when they're standing next to number six. Right, uh, and, and I hated the Bouchard Perryman signing when they We laughed, we laughed. It was like, okay, you're here for two weeks till everybody's healthy again. Right, he couldn't play dead, and and to his credit, he's made the most out of it. And he said himself, he wants to stay here. He sees what they have in in in, in Baker Mayfield, and and, and probably he to wouldn't some be extent. succeeding with Lamar Jackson, that's for sure. Right, you just look. I mean, if you're a receiver, your job is dependent 
to a, a large extent on the guy who's able to get you the football. And and that's where you can find, you know, guys who are willing to take less to go play with a guy like Tom Brady or some of these other quarterbacks or Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, you, you definitely want to bring Brashard Perryman back and, and get a full offseason and just see what you can do. And, and Perryman, you know, so much of it seems to be health that he's finally been able to stay healthy That's that's been able to change it. Now he's got – what should be a healthy offseason, and, and if they can get the deal done, that he's working with Mayfield. And, and you know, in terms of his dimensions, there are reasons why Perryman was compared to Josh Gordon coming out. Now, he's not as dynamic. You know, that's you – don't, you don't find that. But what he's able to do – and like on the play where he, he, he scored the touchdown, there was nobody near him. He just ran by everybody, and he's huge. He's 6'4". You can't miss him. <laughs> yeah, he's 200-some pounds. He's strong. And, and then you see things like that sideline catch, and you're starting to go, well, where is this coming from? And, and certainly uh, Adam Henry deserves a lot of credit, which, which I always laughed at because when they initially hired him, John Dorsey – talked about this guy more than any other coach he hired. It was like this team's putting an odd amount of emphasis on a wide receiver coach uh, when they when they hired Todd uh, when they hired Todd Haley and lo and behold, you know, Adam Henry's here, Hugh Jackson's gone, Todd Haley's gone, and the wide receivers have gotten a lot better. They certainly have worked their their asses off themselves and Rashard Higgins deserves a lot of credit. And Antonio Callaway no deserves doubt. a lot of credit. And Brashard Perryman deserves a lot of credit. But somebody is sort of holding them accountable and sort of demanding the you know better out of them than they've been getting uh and and baker mayfield being part of that certainly helps that they've got a quarterback who is going to find the open man there's no there's no like dead route where you can just sort of half-ass it and expect it to be okay you may be getting the ball because that's just how well he sees the field and and he's a guy who you want to work hard for because he he rewards you when you work hard and and that's sort of what you saw in Joku today, uh, where, where you know, on the one hand, he's going up and making that jump ball, and then you know, he's he's paying off, you know, a little little quick uh, smoke screen to Richard Higgins and blocking his ass for him. So what do they do? They give him two more passes, and he and he breaks some tackles and runs runs for some yak. You start, start to see that continuing evolution, and and again, the you know, even though people will probably criticize him for the play he didn't make, even though I could see his freaking shoulder pads from the guy grabbing him, uh, <laughs> this is another game, and he's had a bunch of these seemingly in a row where you're sitting there going, "Wow, this kid could be really good," and 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 to some extent, there's pressure as there is on all these guys to take that next step, but at the same time, with that pressure, you're also really excited about what these guys can do. You add in all the guys we've just talked about, Antonio Callaway, Brashard Perryman, David Njoku, uh, Brashard Higgins, all with Baker Mayfield. And if all these guys are back and, and don't even have to pick up exactly where they left off, but imagine if they can and take it to the next level and you add another guy with that or you keep building talent in this. A guy like Derek Willies comes back healthy and pushes somebody. Like they've just got a lot to be excited about from that that standpoint. I think what they all need to do is to make sure that uh, Baker's fiance knows how to cook. So wherever Baker and you know uh, the future Mrs. Mayfield take themselves for the off season, everybody just go and follow. And you know everybody stay out of trouble. <laughs> go out when you can, have some fun. But I mean, just go ahead to continue because it's only going to be good in the long run. Of course, obviously everybody you know if it all goes well, move on to bigger and better things. But this is what it's all about, and the rapport that they all have, 
And you see it because there's times where they'll come out and you don't see a Brashard Perriman for four or five, six plays. Or you do not see a Landry for four, five, six plays. Or you don't see Callaway for four, five, six plays. Same thing with Higgins. And it just shows the confidence that this offense has, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether it's Freddie, that they have in all of these guys that when you're called upon and we can do certain things with you, this is the way we're going to rock with it. And it's been fun to see. Uh, you know, it's Terribly, it did not work out today. Uh, that last series... I would have loved to at least seen you know a ball or two underneath to get yourself to a second and seven or a third and three or something to make it a little bit easier. Obviously, we're not going to ask Joseph to kick a fifty-seven yard field goal. Um, we saw how that worked out in New Orleans, but you know, look, yeah, you know the three interceptions could have been turned around. Obviously, points scored off it, whatever it is. Um, it just it is the way it closed out. But you know, you know, good for Baker. The record, some for him for all he's dealt with the last couple of weeks for sticking his nose out for this stinking franchise that all these beat writers have beaten down for years upon years, and for him to get this record while at the same time saying, stop, don't talk about this franchise like that, don't talk about me, don't talk about any of these guys in this locker room like that, enough needs to end. And look, the the beat writers, Pete, we've talked about this at nauseum. Step up your game, because now you're covering... What was the headline? uh, Oh, Lord, uh, Baker Mayfield threw 300... uh, Well, it was a female... Baker Mayfield throws three interceptions and Browns 26-24 loss to Baltimore to close out the season at 7-8-1. Now, would you characterize that as the story of the game? No. How about rookie touchdown? I mean, and here's the thing. If this is the team you cover, wouldn't the headline be Baker Mayfield threw the most touchdown passes for a rookie quarterback ever in 13 starts? But, uh, not only that, he did it, yeah, 13 and a half games. And he, and, and the he didn't throw he, any against the Jets, so he threw it in 13 starts. Yeah, so, and the record he broke was <clears throat> was two guys that were going to be in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean. Super Bowl look, winners, Pete. Super he, Bowl winners. Right, so if you're not going to talk about, even if you don't want to talk about the record, you could talk about the fact that they were one, you know, they were within one score of knocking off, or whatever. But this is going to be a topic. It's going to continue to be a topic. And I, and I think the get off your lawn section of the media is, is going to have a face of harsh reality. And, and the bosses ahead above them may say, look, this isn't working. We're not, you know, this isn't going to happen uh, because we're getting killed here by podcasts like this one and, and others that have seen their, you know their 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 share of the market skyrocket, and there's no doubt that winning helps. But what do people really want to know? Why are they winning? What's actually happening? So places like the Athletic are are, are capturing a huge part part of the market share because they aren't just settling for being that same old stuff. Like they're actually figuring out things you know that matter to people and and talking about those things. And and there are it's it's an age gap type thing in part. Uh, you know, the, the, there are people who are of a certain age and older who are worried about nonsense, like being a role model and all this other stuff. And there are people sitting there going, I don't care if he point, you know, if he eyeballs Hugh Jackson for however many seconds, while his teammates love it. Uh, you know, DBs are handing footballs to the ex coach and all this other stuff. Everybody's on board and, oh wait, they won. Which seems to be more important, and 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 I expect that readers, listeners, and whatever are going to get fed up, basically saying, you know, if if Mayfield and company start losing, there may be an appetite for that type of stuff. But for right now, anyway, and as long as they keep winning, I think they're going to have face a harsh reality of the Browns lose a close game against the hated Ravens, and the focus is on. 
well, the rookie quarterback made made three three had three turnovers. Never mind all the good things he did, and the fact that everybody, both in in and around Cleveland and and really the NFL at large, is sitting there going, "What's going to come next?" It's let's focus on these these things that you know are negative and 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 people probably aren't too excited to read about. But hey, that's just my perspective. Maybe I'm wrong, and people still love that stuff. After all, they've been employed for however many years watching garbage football but the problem is they aren't garbage football anymore they're actually good and people are going to want to know what's going on and why they're good and that's the thing you know when they went to go peek and and poke into stuff deeper and got bigger a ten thousand dollar fine and look guys listeners everybody there's no gun gofundmes baker can pay his own fines he's a big boy he'll have no problem writing those checks don't worry about it um let's go to the houston game at right before the half where you saw him on the uh, on the sideline, I rated himself. Today, you saw him there, the last closing seconds of the first half. I rate at himself, knowing what he left on the field. And you knew something more was coming. You know, Lamb basted Houston in the second half, did everything he could today in the second half to drive and will this team. And when we get to part of the media, um, you know, the city of the team that this Browns comes from, dot com, has a guy who's been on the show many a time, and whenever he writes an article, go look at the reads and go look at the downloads and see where that lays on the page and see where an outlet like that and, and see what readers are looking for information-wise and you start to get to see some of this that me and Peter are talking about. This is the Locked On Browns, a post-game show, the final Week 17 post-game show of the 2018 season. Seems very weird, guys. Obviously, it goes by quickly. Uh, we're going to get to it, a lot of stuff here in the offseason. Locked on NFL Net on Instagram. Locked on NFL Net and Twitter. Um, the draft shows. The individual team shows, you know, such as mine. Locked on Patriots, etc., etc. Uh, all that information is funneled through those accounts. So whether you're on Instagram, Twitter, make sure you're following the Locked on NFL Net, guys. A lot of information goes flowing through to those social media accounts. Now, Pete, defensively, uh, we had talked about this. It was it, It's simple. Um, Lamar Jackson did make a couple of big throws that made them loosen up a little bit. Um, but look, I mean, this is what Baltimore's running for right now. This is what they're doing. Uh, you and I both agree this is not accelerating Lamar Jackson as a quarterback anyway whatsoever. But for right now, they're kind of running with a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they're able to, you know, get results right now with this. Um, it's, it's Vince Young is a rookie in the second year where he made the Pro Bowl both years, but you know, it's, it's difficult to argue that he got better. Uh, and, and Vince Young was obviously a much bigger, uh, quarterback, uh, to take that type of punishment. But I've, I've had this argument with people where they're saying, well, Lamar's getting better by getting this experience. And I, I'm, <laughs> and I'm just not sure I see it, uh, when he's largely making one read and then running, uh, or the amount of QB isos he's, I see this kid take where he looks like he's running into a cement mixer. Uh, obviously, Ogunjobi took the brunt of it, but that hit where he got knocked into uh, being evaluated for a concussion between him and Peppers, I thought that was just a sandwich where his you know, his ribs and, or shoulder or whatever was going to take the brunt of that damage. At some point, it will, not to mention you know the possibility of getting twisted up with knees and ankles and stuff like that. And, and you know, that's... You don't want to be in a situation where the kid finally figures it out if he ever does, and now he's dealing with, you know, long-term effects of taking just a beating that he didn't need to take. Um, 
so I like, and I'm sure people get fed up with it, but this is why I sit here rooting. Like I want Deshaun uh, Watson and, and Lamar Jackson to be in the league for 10 years. They're fun. Uh, if nothing else, not even talking about the merits of them as quarterback, they are genuinely fun to watch play football. Um, but it's just so hard when you you take such a beating. Deshaun Watson took 60 sacks this year, not to mention the amount of times he actually ran and took hits. Um, that stuff carries over. As as Browns fans will know, we you know Tim Couch, we ruined a quarterback because we couldn't protect him. Like we don't want to find that situation with with Lamar Jackson and and Deshaun Watson, where you have these bright stars that end up being like RG three, where it's you know. It's a, it's a comet, and it burns out so quickly, and then now he's a, a journeyman backup as opposed to, you know, rookie of the year and looks like a looks like an incredible star. That's a shame, and you've seen it with other guys like like Luck, your Andrew Luck, who's finally back and looking great and uh, winning what looks like a bump football game. NBC, shame on you. Uh, and 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 that like Carson Wentz is dealing with some issues I hope aren't you know permanent. Cam Newton dealing with issues that appear to be permanent. Uh, it's a, you know there's only whether you, however you want to it, it's either luck or you have so many hits in you or whatever. At some point that bill's going to come due and you just don't want to have it happen when it's you know for relatively meaningless football. Now if the Ravens luck out and win the Super Bowl. Everything about this will be totally worth it. But at the same point, if they go out in the first round and Lamar Jackson comes out with a wrenched up knee, I mean, what's that going to really prove for you? Now you're going into the offseason going, well, what do we really have? And, And where does this team go from here, which is tough? Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is, you know, if you go back to the old Miami Dolphins, you know, with the Ronnie Brown and what they were doing. in, But look, I mean, right now they're putting up results, almost 300 yards rushing today. Um, whether it was Dixon, whether it was Edwards, obviously Lamar Jackson, 20 carries for your 21-year-old rookie quarterback. I mean, I, whatever. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But, Pete, I, I think one thing it does kind of spark to here is if this does continue, and we know, you know, obviously Ben Albright and others have told us they wanted and they tried to get more athletic at the linebacker position, if it's going to be a Cleveland and Baltimore division you know, over the next few years, you're going to need some more athleticism if you're going to have to chase number eight around. Sure. I mean, look. we Look, we've already said there's a way around this. They're not going to do it, but there's a way around it. <laughs> well, part of it, let's. part of the problem is I don't know how healthy Joe Schobert is. I, look. Joe I does not look like he was moving last year. He does not. Denver game, there were glimpses of it, but he does not look like he's moving sideline to sideline like he was last year. Like hamstrings are just one of those things that, you know, they, they nag. And, 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 maybe, and you know Joe. Joe, would, Joe wouldn't bow out. Yeah, I, I fully expect that, you know, whether he's 100% and, and I doubt he is or he's or more 80. like 80%, he's going to tell you he was good and he should make those plays. And I'm not going to argue with him, but to the people telling me of the Browns need a better Mike linebacker, he's one of the best in the freaking league. Like, this isn't up for debate anymore. No, he's no, no, really, no. really good. Now, they need more help. And, and the other part is, look, they, they need a real three technique. Like, God bless Trevon Coley, but it's just not going to happen. And this was no was painfully clear for anyone who wasn't sure when Larry Ogunjobi was out for, for part of it and they were just getting bulldozed. It's really hard. Uh, and they had basically had to put Miles Garrett and Larry uh, – Emmanuel Ogba in there to sort of try to fix it. And they played a lot of bare fronts and lined up a bunch of guys tight to try to, to isolate. But they need somebody who's just going to do more 
at that three tech, which would naturally help the Mike linebacker with a little more protection. But yeah, I mean, they need more help. And, and I don't know if the Browns are ready to have that come to Jesus moment with uh, Chris Kirksey or not. I tend to doubt it, but at least they need to be thinking about looking ahead um, on some of this because they were playing depth linebackers in this. And at times it just bit them. And, and Joe Schubert did Ray, not have a great game. Ray, Ray wasn't of- bad though. Ray Ray was out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's just dude. Some, I, I had to shake my head like twice. Like, wait a minute, who is that again? I, there were a couple guys on the team that that it was. Wait, who? <laughs> uh, Tamir Whitehead was the other one. But yeah, I mean, look, and some of this is they knew to expand rosters. That's a, that's a different conversation. But that, that it's it, it's getting obnoxious with how some of these teams are running some of these guys out at the end of season because they have no choice. Uh, but yeah, I mean. It's probably going to be more realistically for 2020, but they need to have a real honest conversation. I think those linebackers could be found on day three. I think this class is going to be freaking loaded with guys people don't know about. Um, at this point, they will. But, uh, yeah, it's it's another area. Like I, I think the secondary is pretty solid. They're, they're always going to keep looking. But, look, you did not lose this game because you didn't have Denzel Ward. You, nope. I mean, you, did, you had Terrence Mitchell. You have TJ Carey, who, who's had – who, who rightfully was criticized for the first half of his season. He has really turned it on in the second half. He's not perfect by any stretch. But if you were sitting here going, comparing the first half where it was like, is C.J. Carey going to be here next year to now he's got a home, I don't think there's any question he's going to be a guy and they've got you know play, ways to use him to, to, to allow him to be effective. And now you get Denzel Ward back help, healthy and hopefully smarter for it. Uh, that it just becomes about continuing to improve that front seven and just giving whoever's uh, coaching this team and the defense in particular more weapons and more ways to attack people. And, and it's definitely something you're looking forward to here. Um, you know, and look, and if Ward was here today, look, I mean, maybe you're going to you know end up in a position next year where Ward plays a little bit more inside. Uh, you know, Mitchell, Carey, Sticky, physical. I mean, well, Sticky sometimes means physical, also means sometimes means hopefully you don't throw a flag. But that's what these guys will do. Um, and, you know, Denzel, obviously, you know, a little bit slighter frame. He's got to be a little bit smarter how he plays. Um, it was nice to hear this week that maybe he's a little bit more receptive to the fact that he's got to be a little more con- you know, cognizant of the fact that he's one of the smallest guys on the field on game day. But, you know, that is stuff we'll all look forward to. Um, look, uh, Denzel, there's no reason to go to the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. Don't do it. There's just no reason whatsoever. This is been, this is your Locked On Browns pregame show here, the final one of the season. Pete Smith from NFL Spin Zone. Jeff Lloyd, your host here. Obviously, we've gone through the offense. We've gone through the defensive side of the ball. We're going to close here with a couple other things here, but the Locked On NFL podcast. Uh, guys, Matt Williamson does a fantastic job with that. Your Monday episode is actually already up. Uh, I was, uh, you know, asked to join again, so it, it, it's nice to see that the Browns are a talking point. Um, I've been able to join Matt if there's 17 episodes of it. I, I got to figure at this point it's five or six of them, so go ahead and check that out. But his Monday, uh, Monday through Friday lineup is fantastic. You know, you get some PFF uh, focal point, you get Sage Rosenfels, you get Mike Sando from ESPN, you get Matt's picks. But go ahead and check out the Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson. He does a fantastic job. Uh, Pete, before, you know, we put a bow on this and we're going to start, you know, planting our flags here draft wise, which is going to come over the next couple of weeks. Obviously guys, Pete, and I'll get together. We'll do some posi- positional, ana- uh, you know, analysts, uh, you know, positional grades here and, you know, th- what needs to be upgraded and stuff. Pete's going to go down to Mobile this year. For me, this would have been the year to go to the senior bowl, but obviously, you know, the deal with my mother-in-law, it's just not the right thing to do this year. Uh, we'll feed Pete some money. We're going to get him nice and fat while he's down there in Mobile. We went all the pictures of all the barbecue he's going to eat. So we're going to take care of him like that. Um, Pete, I, I guess kind of put a bow here on this regular season. 
I mean, for you, look, uh, guys, you all want to pick on him. You all want to give him a hard time. Um, three of Pete's, I, I'm, let's see here, three of Pete's top 50 guys on his draft board last year were Baker Mayfield, were Nick Chubb, and were Jannard Avery. So, Pete, I, I, we're going to end it here because this is the end of 18. It's Your victory lap is over. You want to spin the tires. But give us here, uh, look, I mean, it, it's been a fun year, Browns-wise. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of guys you had handpicked you know, came in and were a huge part of this. And look, guys, we're going to let him go here, and I just do want to thank him for everything he's done. But Pete, go ahead. Give give us some thoughts. I mean, it's been fun, Pete, and it's crazy how fast these 17 weeks have gone by. Well, I had board on there too, but yeah, uh, Avery was 47th. That was that was sort of the nice little cherry on the Sunday. But yeah, this season has gone fast. Like the last two years dragged where you're sitting there going, oh, good it's, God. it's week 13, we're still doing this. Like, please, Miles Garrett, I want to see you make some plays. I enjoy watching you, but... For the love of God, stay healthy. That was don't blow out a shoulder, don't blow out a rotator cuff, save your fucking knees. That was the season. That was that's where we were at. So this year, um, this year's fun, obviously, and 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 Greg Williams isn't going to get the job. Uh, I think that's been made pretty clear. Uh, I I do think that, but we've talked about this for a while. Look, I don't. Greg Williams is never going to get to be a head coach in the NFL again. It's just not going to be that way. There's too much backlash. But he did do a phenomenal job in what he was asked to do. Right. I, I, I do think Bounty Gate is always going to be a scarlet letter for him. I think he understands that. I think that's why he said that he's open to being the defensive coordinator. I also think he's very cognizant of and, – and, and, and I think in the best way possible, like people are taking this as a shot at him. I think he's genuinely interested in, in if it means sacrificing for his son, yep. doing what is better for best for Blake's career at this point. Greg Williams knows who he is. Like he's not – Hurting. If he wants to go be a defensive coordinator somewhere, he can always do it. He's at least been very open to the possibility of staying here as defensive coordinator. He's thrown out the idea of even being a uh, the special teams coach. Like he he just seems to love coaching, and I think he's reached that point where he's. And I also think he. I think he. I think this defensive side of the ball. He looks at these guys, and you know, like like he looks at his son. He loves this group of guys. Well, and and not for nothing, but. It's the right group of guys to love. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, if you're going to love a 10, you might as well love a 10. Yeah, like he's, he's you know, it's, so, I mean, there's there's part of that. And I think, you know, as much as the, the Browns have some issues with being attractive to certain candidates who may not be re- receptive to ownership, at the same point, especially when it comes to assistance, um, it's a good it's a good situation because you've got so many talents, so many places like you know de, uh, the offensive coordinator, obviously the the defensive line coach. These are these are nice jobs to have. DBs coach. Um, I don't think you have get trouble getting getting good guys to do those jobs. Um, but I, I do think he was the right man for the right job at the right time, and I really do think that his impact was worthwhile. Um, so I give him all the credit for that. Now I, I you know. All reports are that he's not going to get it. I don't think that was ever really a question, but um, it, I give him credit for at least making it interesting enough where you could at least say that and go, well, I mean, they are, you know, they are five and three now. Uh, I, I do think that, and we talked about this. I always thought there would be too much weight put on the last game, and, and the way this was going, and people were jumping off the ship uh, during the game. That was certainly clear. I do think he. He he mishandled the uh, fourth quarter, the end of the fourth quarter with that non-challenge timeout thing. Even though they did get in the end zone, yep. I thought that was, you know, I, I don't think that helped. I thought that was Hugh Jackson-ish. 
Um, but in the but, same respect, though, it wouldn't have mattered if they if they had taken care of business. It wouldn't have mattered. Right, and and you know, so look, the best the best thing I, I can say about this is. I'm not. I'm not in the boat where I'm like, well, John Dorsey's not going to screw this up. Of course, he can screw this up. But I am excited about the possibilities at the coaching staff and this talent where this team can go. And I'm and and I'm now excited to start talking about, you know, what does this team need to be a consistent contender? It's not about. It's not about can this team win. It's about how many and and where are we talking about playoffs? And that's going to be fun. And what coaching staff can get us there. And, and this is the one thing, unlike draft and other things, where we have so much information, we can actually be educated yep. on this. We're basically just fastening our seatbelt and hoping to get this right, fingers crossed, because we just don't have enough information. We can say, like I can say, you know, I love the idea of Freddie Kitchen being the head coach uh, with Todd Bowles as defensive coordinator, Brant Boyer being the special teams coach. Uh, sounds great. Uh, I have no idea if that's the right choice, but – uh, you know, I can I can pitch all these ideas that sound great and 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 why they could work or why they couldn't work. But uh, you know, they may pick something that doesn't work, and and there's a possibility, however however remote, that they could say, Mike McCarthy, you're our man, and we're all going to hate it, and it could be the right choice. So um, I'm 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 as interested as anybody to see how that goes, and and then we can get into free agency in the draft, and and that's the stuff where we actually can have educated opinion, and I can keep getting Jarvis Landry right off his goddamn face. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about we'll you know we'll see where this goes next year. Okay, actually, it's funny because we did not bring that one up. Um, the huge miscarriage of justice today. Um, the Lamar Jackson jump, Jordan. Look, this whole Jordan pose thing now to the gold line just needs to stop. But look, there's no reason if you're an official you have to make a definitive freaking call. There is replay review for a reason. You cost the Cleveland Browns a 90, 90, I guess maybe by the time where Jabril picks it up, a 94-yard touchdown. Why does there have to be a definitive call when every scoring play is going to be freaking reviewed anyway? Why? It's just stupid. Let the process, and and this is why these, this is why there's officials in the freaking booth. Let it play out. Uh, it... it- it was just like. Don't get me wrong. There were horrible calls on both sides, but this but is there this, always this, is week in week out. But at least is, let the scoring plays solve themselves. This is the slam your thumb in the car door moment of this game, where you just can't take it back. And, and not only did they cause the fumble, Jabril Peppers picks that up, and there was nobody even close to him. He'd still be running. He was so wide open, and, and he could have cl- closed the first half because he could have gotten to inside the ten. And just stood there for about 35, 40 seconds and then just closed the half out. So it changes the whole game. It would have been a one-score game. 100 and it would have been a 180-degree momentum swing. And then and then you top that off by they scheme oh. up a great play. Jarvis Landry is wide. There's nobody, nobody even close. And and he lets it bounce off his face. And, and I don't think he makes it all the way because he's just too goddamn slow. But, hell, it would have been a nice big game. Uh, or at least he would have gotten the field goal back. Something. I mean, you know, because yes. I mean, he, you know, he most of the time runs like a car with the emergency brake on. So I mean, that, <laughs> he does indeed. And then they ultimately had to settle for you know uh, a, a long field goal that missed, and the, you know those are you don't get those plays back, and 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 those you know those hurt you and and stuff, and and ultimately the game is. Uh, 
you know, one score and, and, and the Browns, if they have that touchdown or whatever, even if you don't even take the extra point, it's a different ball game. And that's that's unfortunate. And, I'm, you know, the people who are really mad about this are Steelers fans because they're sitting there for the first time in about 40 years. They've actually been on the wrong side of officiating and they're sitting there mad because the Browns got screwed, which screws them out of the playoffs. So that part's unfortunate. I, I suppose if there's any silver lining, that's one more thing that this team's going to have just sort of driving them this offseason is basically saying to themselves, we can't left the, we can't leave these games in the hands where the refs can screw us. We've got to beat we've got to blow these teams out and make it not even close, but here we are, uh, you know, debatably for like the third time this year we're poor officiating and I know it's a plague across the NFL. It just I'm not going to say the Browns are targeted because that's insane. It just so happens that the roll of the dice of bad officiating has cost the Browns at least two uh, opportunities to, to get wins, and that's the difference between seven, eight, and one, and potentially nine, six, and one. Nine, six, and one is you know right on the door of the playoffs. Absolutely. Um, now, guys, as we start to put a bow on this, uh, Larry Ogunjobi's most recent tweet, 2019. If you think these guys don't understand and don't appreciate, uh, I mean, I don't want to dig up what these guys' last tweets were last year after Week 17, but these guys get it, and they know where this is headed. Oh, I remember. Freaking, they were pissed about the parade. Oh, they were Manuel not happy. Ogba caught a lot of stuff because he was unhappy about the parade, and, and that's fine. I get it. Uh, I don't. I didn't care about either one, but I, I, I have no issue with the fact that they were mad about it, and I'm sure you know that's part partly fueled some of those guys and sort of being like this isn't us and and being able to say you know this is what Hugh Jackson did to us and this is what we're doing about it so I mean look that's that's sort of how this goes and 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 I and I think it's great that this, the, the city fan base has rallied around this team and and they sort of I guess you know sort of owe these guys a little bit uh but you know this is the full you know going full circle with this from parade to you know everybody being super excited about next year and, yeah, and look, I mean, those guys weren't thrilled, and I remember talking to Dan Orlovsky about it, and he was just like, look, for Owen 16 to be celebrated and to even be made in fun of, and you're a guy that's got to walk through that city every single day. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. But look, guys, those days are so far in the freaking rear view, it does not matter. Um, guys, uh, I do want to thank Pete. He's been fantastic here. Uh, look, obviously, whether it's the pregame, whether it's the postgame, whether it's the, hey, dude, uh, Hugh got canned. Or it's the dude, uh, I got a cool thing I want to talk about on a Wednesday night. Pete, I want to thank you for that, dude. You've been integral here. And as this show grows, and I love the fact that you've, you know, and even sometimes people take it to Twitter like Pete is an official member and gets paid by Locked On Browns and uses it against us. Um, but guys, just let Pete be. And if you do not like the way he tweets or you do not like the responses, just let it be. But he does his work, and he puts it in. He's he's entitled to his opinions. Um, I've kind of gotten a little bit nicer on Twitter because of a lot of the listeners, they don't want to see the BS tweets. So I try to lay back a little bit. But look, if we're going to get the draft you, stuff... You just DM them all to me. Yeah, I just sent them over to Pete. And let, I just team up for him and let him take care of it. But as the draft stuff and the free agent stuff, guys, I'm going to give you my opinion. Uh, I still don't think Odell Beckham is going to be a, a quality decision. Uh, Mike Evans, yeah, sure, great player. But when you guys hear the price tag on these players, you guys will absolutely lose your freaking minds. But, guys, I, I cannot even begin to fathom how fun it's been this regular season last year. And like Pete said, it, was, it got to the point where it, even it got to December, it was just like... 
this team sucks, and I don't know how any other way to say it, and there's no hope, and everything here is just terrible. But the promise here, whether it's in the secondary, whether it's you know Joe Schobert, it doesn't matter what linebackers are playing with him because that's how damn good he is. Whether it's an Avery and Agba and Ogunjobi and Miles Garrett, whether it is an outstanding line, and you got to hear from Kevin Zeitler the other night who told you that these guys all ride together. Whether it's uh, you know a Darren Fells three touchdowns, a David Ajoku continuing to emerge, Nick Chubb. Rashard Higgins, you know, Javar, you know, even Landry for what he did, he did was able to put up some numbers. Rashard Perriman, Antonio Callaway, Willies, Ratley, whatever goes on here from that standpoint. Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson. Last year, if you asked me to name you top players, it would have went about Miles Garrett. It would have went about Duke Johnson. And the conversation would have probably stopped about there because David Najoku and the other good players like him weren't playing. But it is only a fantastic product that is only going to get better. Uh, we've got a coaching search to go through. Uh, we're going to get through Senior Bowl and draft stuff and free agency. We're just going to continue this ball rolling. Uh, I've talked to Eric Metcalf today. Um, yeah, Eric's going to help me. We're going to start to maybe hopefully do once a week where we're going to bring in some Browns from the past and do shows with them. We're going to have a lot of fun with all of that. Um, guys, you know, hang your head. Uh, Cavaliers suck. The, Indi- the Indians are doing everything they can to hopefully not be competitive this year and not have to pay a lot of payroll. So, look, this is the hot topic in town, and we're going to continue to make this party roll on. Uh, for Pete Smith over at NFL Spin Zone, guys, follow the work. Um, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, we keep it a follow-back account. iTunes, rating, reviews, guys, continuously keep them coming. Um, we're going to close in the gap somewhere between this month, between 55,000 and 60,000 downloads. A ridiculous number as September, October, November, December. We just grew each month more and more, and I'm enjoying the ride, and I'm enjoying the fact that you guys are loving the ride and enjoying every step of it. As we close out the 2018 regular season, guys, we'll continue to say it, as we always say when we close out Locked on Browns. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.